If you're an NFL coach looking for a job, a bunch of positions just opened up. Plus, Tiger Woods is parting ways with Nike. It's Tuesday, January 9th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. The NFL has several new job vacancies. Joining me now to discuss is Front Office Sports Senior Reporter AJ Perez. Welcome, AJ. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on. So you attended the uh, press conference from the Washington Commanders um, after they let go of Ron Rivera, who's their head coach. Uh, what did we learn there? Yeah, this is uh, this is we knew this is coming for a while. There was. There was no, you know, when the season started, you know, Rivera was going to get a, was going to get a shot, but when you only win four games that we've known for many weeks and they hit the ground running. We have Bob Myers uh, was announced as an advisor for this new search committee right after basically an hour or so after they fired, officially fired Ron Rivera is going to be a part of this, this, this committee. Josh Harris told us he's the one leading the search and in charge of the search, but uh, also advising beyond Myers who, who was going to stay at ESPN in his analyst role. While he does this, uh, we got uh, we got Spielman, the uh, former executive from the Lions, as well as is is going to assist. So they're going to cast a wide net, and they already have. There's more than a half dozen names of uh, of uh, um, people they've reached out to. You know, people, you know, coaches and executives with current teams. Any permission to talk? That process started pretty much right after uh, you know this. We all found out that Ron Rivera was officially gone. Yeah, and yeah, Spielman was with the the Vikings previously. Um, the this is sort of an, an interesting approach. I mean, tagging Bob Myers certainly is um, a well respected respected sports executive, but he's best known for being the architect of the Golden State Warriors dynasty. Um, so you know, we're, we're we're jumping across lines here. Um, this feels like a unique approach for you know for this Harris ownership group. A lot of respect for Myers, and, I, and you have you 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 have to remember that Josh Harris and David Blitzer own the Sixers. So there's already, yeah, so there was a little bit of, uh, you know, cross sports. Now, he, he was asked about that at the press conference and really kind of like, yeah, we're not going to be bringing over baseball people and everybody else. It was just kind of Myers is available. Myers is someone who is respected, especially in the NBA. And he's respected as an executive, a now former executive overall. And I think having another, yeah, having a person like that uh, as part of your group, um, talking to people, and this is, it's probably not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's obviously certain skills that that kind of work in certain dispositions. Um, and uh, so this was obviously not the only Black Monday move. Uh, we saw the Panthers let go of their GM, Scott Fitterer. Obviously, that organization remains in control of David Tepper, who may be the, the greater problem there. Falcons let go of their coach, Arthur Smith. Uh, the Chargers previously um, uh, said goodbye to their coach and GM. Um, what, what kind of, uh, you know, coaching carousel are we, we looking at as we head into this off season? Oh yeah. A lot of unknowns we got, we don't know what's going to happen with, uh, Bill Belichick either. You mentioned the chargers. Yeah. I think, uh, Giff Smith, I think, uh, um, you know, there's, uh, probably going to move on from him as interim. They haven't made that as of now this afternoon, they hadn't uh, specified, but, um, likely either another team that needs a new GM and, and, and a new head coach. Uh, the, uh, yeah, the, the Panthers could have the, you know, those are, that could be the hardest job to fill after obviously Dave Tepper, David Tepper firing another coach in season and then his uh, water bottle incident. Uh, you know, I think uh, you know, there's, it's not, I'm not saying it's not an attractive job, but when you have 
the Chargers with all their talent and the commanders of the new ownership. Um, you know, that's uh, I think that's number three right now. Yeah. And of course, there are two names that are kind of looming over this right now. We don't know if either of them will be available at the time of recording. But Bill Belichick at the moment, still with the New England Patriots, widely rumored to you know maybe be out the door there. And of course, Jim Harbaugh you know, recently hired an agent with NFL Ties. So they will both potentially be on the market. Do you think this is going to be something where they're the top two commodities and everything kind of waits for them? Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I know there's uh, some, the, the way this is set up here. This in I'm still at Ashburn at the team headquarters. Uh, the commanders weren't would not probably be in the market for a Belichick, uh, but because they they have this new strong football operations and they're, they're going to separate, they're going to silo the two because Ron Rivera had a little influence over both uh, personnel and what happened on the field. So uh, there's going to be teams who who you know he's so close to the record uh, that you know that wants to uh, for the next two or three years. Uh, there could be, yeah, there, if Bill Belichick is on the market, I think you're right. You're right. Harbaugh is the big one. And I think uh, he's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of interest from a lot of teams and teams that we mean that, that may have a coach right now on the bubble of, of, of staying or not. You know, if they get, if they have a chance of Harbaugh, they may make a move there, you know, they, they, but we're not going to find out tonight. If, uh, sorry, find out Monday night, if, uh, if what happens with the national championship game and if uh, that could uh, kind of play, you know, play a major role. And, you know, I'm only just thinking of this now, but, you know, the Raiders could be looking to replace their coach. Tom Brady is, you know, due to enter that ownership group. We could end up with a situation where Belichick is working for Tom Brady. Or Belichick could be coaching Tom Brady. No, there's there's always rumors. But yeah, there's yeah, that, that that's an interesting thing. And the, and basically he could be, a, you know, he's we still don't know what the ownership stake is. You know what, what's happening there with the Raiders and Brady's ownership stake. So yeah, he could be. Uh, yeah, you're right. He could be there. He could be. He could be the uh, the Robert Kraft over there on, over him next time. Yeah, very interesting. AJ Perez, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. The Kansas City Royals and Chiefs have put an offer on the table. The Chiefs will renovate Arrowhead Stadium, and the Royals will build a downtown stadium if the voters of Jackson County approve the extension of a 3 8 cent sales tax that will help fund these projects. The teams are also promising various economic benefits if voters vote yes in a special election in April. Otherwise, they'll look to Clay County, which also includes parts of the Kansas City metro area. On the one hand, the teams are in a strong position here. The Chiefs are defending Super Bowl champs and among the most beloved teams in any U.S. league. The Royals are in a rough patch, but they have a long history in Kansas City. This is also a tax extension, not a new tax, which may be easier to swallow. On the other hand, voters rejected a similar proposal from the Arizona Coyotes when that team wanted to privately fund a new arena on a site that required substantial environmental remediation. The Coyotes are not on the same level when it comes to popularity and history in their area as the Chiefs and Royals, but giving funds to for-profit businesses owned by billionaires isn't always an easy sell, and this April election will provide a very interesting data point on public sentiment for stadium subsidies. Mark Cuban raised a lot of questions about his future and that of the Dallas Mavericks when he sold a majority stake in the team to Miriam Adelson and Sivan and Patrick Dumont, while retaining 27% ownership and control of basketball operations. Whatever happens going forward, he's showing what the organization means to him right now. He, Adelson, and the Dumont family are giving out around $35 million in bonuses to people within the Mavericks organization this year. Cuban is currently involved in a public debate around hiring practices, which I'm not going to get into, but it's clear enough that he wants the Mavericks to be a desirable employer for people throughout that organization. 
Cuban has said that not much changed after the sale other than his bank account. The same may now be true for Maverick's employees. Up next, one of the most storied and established relationships between a brand and an athlete has come to an end with Tiger Woods parting ways with Nike. My colleague Eric Fisher breaks down what it all means, and that conversation is coming up next. Tiger Woods and Nike have ended their 27-year partnership. Joining me now to discuss is Front Office Sports newsletter co-author Eric Fisher. Welcome, Eric. Hello. So great to have you. So let's just look back on, you know, one of this, the most iconic relationships between a brand and an athlete. Uh, what has defined this this 27-year relationship? Yeah, this is one of the most closely intertwined relationships that we have seen or probably will ever see between an athlete and uh, and a brand. And you sort of think about that, uh, that iconic red uh polo or in the colder weather white red sweater that he would wear on tiger woods would wear on sundays in his rounds that was a fixture for years and you'd even see that sort of referenced in sitcoms and such that that became sort of a pop culture thing that even non-sports fans would know that you know when you're winning and when it's sunday when it's closing time you wear red and that's a signal for closing the deal so to speak and it you know really kind of just this is a relationship that really kind of transcended golf or even sports into, again, that broader realm. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't help thinking back to um, when Tiger Woods had that car crash, you know, there was, there was a lot of sort of controversial stuff that came out around that and tarnished his image. Uh, Nike stood by him. I remember they released an ad with his father's voice. So, yeah, I think his father had passed away at the time, but they still had this recordings of his voice. Um, and, and Nike was the one lifting him up instead of the other way around. And so, yeah, these two have, have been in partnership for, for a long, long time. Of course, that crash was many years ago at this point. Well, but even, you know, the sexual stuff that, you know, in his personal life beforehand, I mean, I think that even more so that a bunch of companies, you know, took his personal issues as a, as an opportunity to step away from him. And Nike was one of those few that really stood by him through that sort of darkest moment in his marriage and his personal life. Yeah. And this is also a transition moment for Nike. You know, I think right now the focus is on Tiger and what he's doing next. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But Nike is pairing back and we've seen them um, end some iconic relationships recently. Yeah, Nike's in the they're initiating a process to cut two billion dollars in costs over the next three years and really sort of lean on lean in on the hits. And you've seen a lot of companies go through similar exercises, but they're really kind of sticking with the things that really bring in the biggest bucks right now. And yes, Tiger Woods is an icon. Um but that's not necessarily him right now. And it's important to remember as well that Nike already has been out of the golf equipment game for a number of years. Um and again, really just sort of leaning into those kind of big global hits that really bring in the big bucks right now. And a, you know, 48 year old kind of injured golfer, not necessarily one of those things. And you add that in with the, the broader corporate initiative, it sort of makes sense that there would be a parting of ways right now. Yeah. And, you know, the Nike said they were planning on cutting around $2 billion over three years in December. And that's going to include hundreds of layoffs. And so, you know, Tiger is, is a big ticket item. You know, this, this could be saving hundreds of jobs to, uh, to uh, say, say goodbye to Tiger. Do we know anything about his plans going forward here? 
Yeah, so he kind of teased out like there will be another chapter um, and suggests more to come. Um, you know, you could see sort of one big omnibus deal that covers apparel, footwear, equipment, or maybe a couple a patchwork of, of some deals. He's been wearing FootJoy shoes since that car crash, in part for sort of health, orthopedic reasons, support reasons, you know, literally related to his feet and legs. Um, there could be a larger relationship there. We don't really know. Um, but uh, in the statement that... Um, Woods put out as part of this kind of teased out that there would be uh, more to come at perhaps next month at the Genesis Invitational in Los Angeles. And so maybe in about a month's time, we'll know more about what the future pathway looks like. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see again, is it going to be one sort of monster deal that maybe kind of carries him into a senior golf kind of realm? Or is it going to be, you know, some a patchwork of things? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and it'll it may speak to who Tiger Woods is right now. And when Nike started working with him, he was a kid and he was a phenom and he was, you know, this a brand new thing and and now whenever he's in a tournament, it's kind of exciting because it's Tiger Woods, he's a legend, but he hasn't done a whole lot, you know, he's certainly not compared to uh to his previous accolades. He hasn't done a lot on the golf course in recent years. He's often injured, but he will be associated. He's he's the face him and Roy Roy McIlroy are the face of this new league, which was going to launch this month, is now going to wa- launch a year from now. The Tomorrow Golf League, um, or the Golf League is what it's called by Tomorrow Sports. Uh, so I wonder if his next moves will be geared toward, you know, this new league. Entirely possible. And you raise a good point before that the Nike relationship really kind of took him through the whole sort of sweep of his adult life that he was only 20 when he signed that first deal. And as the young phenom, as you correctly indicate, and through all those major title wins, 15 of them and all, and now he's a middle-aged guy dealing with a lot of the same, you know, aches and pains that a lot of us do. And, you know, um, even sort of putting the, uh, the car accident aside that, um, you know, he's a middle-aged guy with middle-aged aches and pains. And, uh, um, you know, sort of something maybe kind of reflecting where he is now in that stage of life. And again, the, the TGL, as you correctly indicate that this is, again, you sort of take where he is at and where Nike's at. This is an opportunity perhaps to have a different kind of endorsement relationship that doesn't feed, indeed reflect who he is right now. Cause again, the, the Nike thing, in a certain sense was still kind of drafting off of like 1997 or 2000 era tiger. And he's just not that player and not that man anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Last thing I wanted to kind of bounce off you, you said at the top, this was, you know, one of the most intertwined relationships between an athlete and a brand that we have seen and maybe will ever see on that. will ever see part. That certainly sounds right to me. And I'm wondering if you could just expand on that. Um, You know, why, why is this such a, a unique thing that, you know, we might just not see very much going forward? Yeah, because he really got deeply involved in in sort of the look and feel of this. And you sort of think again, I mentioned the, the, the red sweater, the red polo before. He had a very clean look about him. And it really was just about that singular swoosh that you think about a lot of golfers that they, you know, 
NASCAR billboards a bit much to say, but you know, they may be wearing things on the collars and the sleeves and the hat and the back of the hat or, you know, the back of the polo shirt or whatever. And there's, you know, multiple points there that, you know, for really much of his career that night tigers had a very clean look about him. And it's been that swoosh that is just standing out in and of itself. Um, as he was going on to all of these victories, the 15 majors I mentioned before, 82 PGA Tour titles, that um, one way to sort of think about him is that he was sort of, you know, when a lot of the other golfers were, in fact, you know, veering closer to NASCAR, he had uh, more of an Olympic-type sort of cleanliness in terms of how he was as a marketing platform literally on his body during his play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fascinating stuff. Eric Fisher, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Always a pleasure. That's it for today. Drop us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in, or just tell a friend about the show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.